Hi, everyone. My name is Shantae Fensel, and you're listening to the very first episode of my new podcast, Murder on the Move. I'm so happy you're tuning in, and whether you are my family and friends or just someone that loves true crime and travel, I really appreciate you taking the time to listen. So this first episode, I want to take some time to explain my vision for the podcast, talk a little bit about what led me here, and then tell you all about my first case and layover. Now, I do want to have a disclaimer here. I do have a dog named Barley. He's the love of my life, and you may hear him barking in the background. I do apologize if that happens. When it comes to what I had in mind for Murder on the Move, I wanted to create a space where I can talk about true crime and travel. As of two months ago, I am now a flight attendant, and I have started traveling a lot. The more places I visit, the more I learn about local cases of murders or missing persons. I wanted a platform to share with people my adventures, but also bring awareness to local cases to the areas I travel to. So the format of each episode will be me talking about a place where I had a layover, what I did while I was there, and then talking about a case local to that city or neighboring cities. Now, if that sounds like something you'd like to spend 20 minutes listening to every other week, then you found the right podcast. So what got me to this place of a love for travel and true crime? Well, the travel love started when I was 16. I grew up in a small town in Ohio, and I had barely left the state until I was a junior in high school. And that's when I became a foreign exchange student to Italy. I lived there for about a year, and I traveled back quite often to visit my host family. Then I went to study international relations in Washington, D.C. for college, and that led me to a study abroad experience in Morocco. I loved it so much that I ended up moving to Morocco for two years after I graduated. Then I moved to Costa Rica, where I worked for a foreign exchange company for about a year, but then the pandemic hit. So I've been to a few beautiful places, and I've been fortunate enough to call those places home for a while. Once the pandemic hit, I moved back in with my mother for a while, and we started doing something that we did ever since I was a little girl again. We watched true crime shows. Forensic Files, The First 48, Snapped, and Dateline. I was experiencing true crime as an adult for the first time, and I realized just how lucky I've been to travel the world unharmed when so many places have their own cases of missing persons and murdered persons. I became hooked on learning about the cases and the lives of those that have been affected by them. So thank you, Mom, for sparking my interest in true crime. There's also one other person I'd like to shout out before I jump into my first episode. When I was in high school, I was a theater nerd for sure. I was always involved in the school plays, speech, and anything that allowed me to talk. Yes, if you haven't guessed it by now, I really like talking. So I'd like to thank the person that helped me become a storyteller and helped me build my confidence in speaking enough to want to do a podcast. And that is my drama teacher, Mrs. Zeely. If you're listening, I hope you know how much you've shaped my life. I also can't forget the other amazing storytellers that I love and have inspired me to create my own podcast, like Ashley and Britt from Crime Junkie, My Favorite Murder with Karen and Georgia, and all the other amazing podcasts I've listened to over the years. A special shout out to Ashley Flowers for your new book release. You are an idol of mine, and I can only imagine having this podcast be 
anywhere near as good as Audio Chug Podcast. Okay, so now that all the recognition is out of the way, let's jump into my first layover. So I became a flight attendant for a major airline about two months ago. I always thought about being a flight attendant, but I always found an excuse not to do it. Until I worked a few jobs and realized none of them were fulfilling my need to meet new people and experience new cultures. So I finally decided to go for it. And man, oh man, I will tell you, it is a lot more than serving drinks in the sky. I went through a training that focused on safety and security in the air. The way I like to explain my job is, think about if something goes wrong at your job. There's a medical emergency or an active shooter. What would you do? Call 911, right? Well, you can't do that in the air. And for that reason, we as flight attendants are trained in basic life support, firefighting, self-defense, and so much more. And on top of that, we can also get you a Diet Coke. So yeah, my job is pretty cool. On my very first day of work, I was assigned a standby position, which basically means I go to the airport and I sit. I wait for my phone to ring and for them to tell me if I'm going anywhere on a flight that day. If someone calls out sick last minute, they will have me run to the gate and take their place. So I'm sitting there in the airport waiting for a call. I'm looking at all the possible flights that I could go on. New York City, Tokyo, Peru. I was filled with excitement and nerves. Then the phone rings and the woman on the other line from cruise scheduling tells me I'm going on a three-day trip to Norfolk, Virginia. I won't lie, I was underwhelmed. I had never been to Virginia Beach area, but I wasn't dying to go. Not to mention that morning when I woke up, I had that feeling in my throat where you know you're about to lose your voice. So when the woman from crew scheduling informed me that I was going to be working as the purser on the flight, or in other words, the flight attendant that makes all the announcements, I was terrified. I get to the gate and walk down the jet bridge, and that's where I met the crew. One amazing flight attendant in particular, Kara, volunteered to make all my announcements for me since by that point, my voice was completely gone. I had barely made it through the two and a half hour flight without dying from my nerves, but by the time I got off the plane, I felt so much better. I had officially worked a flight as a full-blown flight attendant. I mean, I had done it before when I was in training, but that was with instructors watching me. This was the first time I was on my own. Once we got off the plane, it was pretty late, so I just went to the hotel and crashed. I didn't realize it was customary for flight attendants to pull together a tip for the driver from the airport, and Kara so nicely paid my part of the tip. She told me we could go to brunch the next morning, and I was really happy. I didn't care if it wasn't Tokyo. I mean, it was my first layover. I wanted to see the town. Kara, the pilots, and myself all went out to a nice brunch in downtown Virginia Beach, and then we explored the town square a bit. By the next morning, I was ready to fly back to Chicago, but they surprised me because when I got to the airport, we flew from Virginia Beach area to DC area, and then I got a call from crew scheduling again telling me I had been reassigned. And that reassignment had me go from D.C. to Jacksonville, from Jacksonville to Newark, New Jersey, and then from Newark, New Jersey back to Chicago. 
so my day was a bit longer than expected. <laughs> Kara was the first flight attendant to show me what to do, and I really appreciate her for helping me learn the ropes. And if you're listening, Kara, I'm sorry for all the mistakes I made that you probably had to fix. So what was my take on being a flight attendant after my very first flight? Well, training can only prepare you for so much. I mean, you have practice flights when you're in training where you go out and you see what it's like to work with actual customers. You're on the plane, you're doing the job of a flight attendant, but the whole time an instructor is there to answer questions for you. This time on my own, when I didn't have anyone to ask but my fellow crew members, it was very different. And it's clear to say I loved it. It was a great experience. Even though I was sick, the time was amazing. And if you're listening to this podcast just to get the travel side of things or you yourself are interested in becoming a flight attendant, please reach out to me at my email. I'll drop it in the description, but it is shantefensel at gmail.com. That's S-H-A-N-T-E-F-E-N-C-L at gmail.com. Okay, so now that we've got the travel side of things out of the way, I want to talk about a true crime case that I learned about while I was in Virginia. And it's the 2005 murder case of 18-year-old Shelly Carson. All of my sources for this episode will be listed in the episode description. This unsolved murder case started with the discovery of Shelly's body in the early morning hours of August 14, 2005, at the traffic circle by Kings Grant Road and Newcastle Road. Before we jump further into the case and the cause of death, I'd like to tell you a bit more about Shelly. She was born Mary Rachel Carson on October 22, 1986. During the first year of her life, she was adopted by Charlotte and Bill Carson. The Carsons were school teachers, and Bill was a retired naval officer, according to MaryHallbergMedia.com. Shelley wasn't an only child with the Carsons. They also adopted a boy named Drew around the same time they adopted Shelley. Shelley enjoyed playing sports and played many of them throughout middle school, including field hockey, basketball, soccer, and she enjoyed swimming with her father, Bill. Now, I think it's clear to say that Shelly was the complete opposite of me because I play no sports. I'll tell you all a quick story. When I was in middle school, I went to a school that year that didn't have a theater department. So I decided to do something after school just to fill my time. And a friend of mine recommended that I try out for the softball team with her. So I did, and I guess they were desperate that year for people because I got on the team, even though I knew nothing about softball. I made the team and I was a first baseman. I think they put me as first baseman because I'm left-handed. There's something about being left-handed and being on first base that's better. I don't understand it. I still don't, and I did it. So don't ask me any questions about softball or baseball, please. And don't come for me in the comments. I was playing softball all year for that season. And at the end, we had an award ceremony. Now, this award ceremony was for everyone on the softball team where they gave out trophies and recognition for people who did a great job. So they were saying things like, oh, Molly, you did a great job with all those RBIs. Really appreciate you. Who? Oh, Jessica, like we really loved your spirit and your energy during the games. You always did a great job. And then they said, and Shantae, you have really nice hair. 
And they moved on. They didn't say anything else. So I knew in that moment, I was not a sports person. So kudos to Shelly because she played sports and she did a great job at them. And she can swim, which I also cannot. But towards the age of about 14, Shelly started to get into some trouble. She started running away and she stayed out late frequently. She did get a job, however, at Burger King. But before we move on, I do want to say something. I want to make it clear and set the tone for this podcast. Just because Shelly stayed out late and would sometimes run away is not a justification for her untimely death. There will be no victim blaming on this show. I myself have stayed out late multiple times and even walked home in some dodgy places when I knew I shouldn't have. It can happen to any of us. Some of us are just fortunate enough not to get hurt. When I lived in Morocco, there were multiple times where I had to walk home from the train station at night. And they always suggested getting a cab, but I was a broke college student, so I wasn't going to get a cab, even though the cabs in Morocco are like a dollar for a 10-mile drive. So I could have afforded it. I just chose to walk instead. So when I was walking the mile or so home from the train station to the house I was living in, I remember there was a night where I was being followed by a couple of guys and they kept catcalling me. They would say sweet things at first, but when I wouldn't respond, they'd start to get angry. And they kept getting closer and closer. I had to circle the house I was staying at multiple times so that they wouldn't know where I lived until they were gone. So yeah, it can happen to anyone. Wherever you are, just know that you have to be careful with your surroundings and watch out where you're going. Um, but what I do want to say is that we are not going to blame Shelly for staying out late as a reason for her death. On August 14th, 2005, at around 3.50 a.m., Shelly was staying out late visiting a friend that worked at the local 7-Eleven. She was then seen by a witness in her neighborhood of Kings Grant riding her bike in a traffic circle, presumably on her way home, around 4 a.m., a few minutes later, she was seen by a witness walking their dog further down the street. Two hours later, at 6.08 a.m., someone discovered the body of a young woman in the traffic circle where Shelley was spotted earlier. Her pants were gone and her shirt was pulled up, which caused investigators to expect sexual assault. She was pronounced dead at the scene and her pants have never been discovered. Meanwhile, at the Carson house, it was a Sunday and the family was looking for Shelly as they got ready for church. They decided that she was probably out with her boyfriend and decided to go without her. But at church, they heard rumors that a body of a young woman had been discovered. They immediately thought of Shelly and went to the traffic circle where the body was discovered, but police would not let them see the body. As the woman had been beaten so severely, she was unable to be identified. It was ultimately her shoes that were the way that her body was identified. The official cause of death was determined to be blunt force trauma. After her death, Shelley's father, Bill, became heavily involved in trying to solve her murder. The family put up a $10,000 reward and eventually increased it to a $40,000 reward. Bill lobbied the city to form a cold case squad and was successful in getting one started. But unfortunately, None of this has led to any arrest. 
Now, usually in these episodes, this would be the spot where I talk about the investigation and what went on and the suspects. But to be honest, there really haven't been many suspects. I mean, there were about seven to nine people that they were considering as suspects back in the early days of the investigation. And one of those people was Shelly's boyfriend, which I'm sure a lot of you out there were thinking about that ever since I mentioned she had a boyfriend. But I mean, after some investigation, it was determined that he was not a person of interest anymore. They did have an argument before Shelly's murder, and some people have been rumored to mention that he was jealous that of the friend that she was going to visit at 7-Eleven, thinking there may be something more going on between them other than a friendship, but this is just a rumor, and I don't want to spend my podcast talking about rumors, so... I just know right now that there are no other suspects that they're investigating at the moment and that the case is cold. If you have any information about the murder of Shelly Carson, please call the Virginia Beach Police Department Cold Case Homicide Unit at 757-385-4241. Unfortunately, her parents will not know the outcome of the case as they both have passed away since her murder, but I like to think that they are together now. So that's what I have for this case and this layover. Thank you so much for listening. And I also want to mention that I hope that wherever you're listening from, you like, follow, and leave a review. The more people we get to listen to this podcast, the more episodes I can make. Right now it's available on Anchor, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. Hopefully in the coming days, I'll be able to get it onto more podcasting apps. Until next time, take care.